co-founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on our way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're doing things a little differently. We're working with our own students in our community who are deep within the process of building our own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow, who've stood where you are and are on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of our stories are about to share in this show. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. And with that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Hey guys, Molly here. I'm the community manager for Founder Magazine and welcome back to the series From Zero to Founder. Today I'm sitting down with one of our Start Your Side Hustle students, Dane Schwabe, and we're talking about his journey from car salesman to Amazon delivery driver to now making six figures a year. It's a really inspiring story and I think you're going to love it. So let's welcome Dane to the podcast. Hi, Dane. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and speak with me today. I'm really excited to hear more about your story. So to begin, why not start by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about your business? Yeah, sure. So my name is Dane Schwabe. My business is called Rockstar Integrator. Um, most people know me for doing Facebook ads. I'm not here to flex and say I'm the best Facebook ads marketer ever. I mean, clearly, this is in 2021. I mean, clearly, the game can change very qu- quickly when two corporate giants decide to have a pissing match. So, you know, people like what I do. That's usually what I say is, um, you know, my work uh, quality and stuff like that. Uh, but mainly, I run Facebook ads and I do uh, marketing integrations for online businesses predominantly. Um, I've been doing this for about four years now. And, um, it's not like it's something that I just kind of woke up one day and wanted to do. I've, if anything, I just kind of fell into it. Um, this is not where I expected my journey to end up, if that makes sense. For sure. No, I think it's great that you've got a journey that led you to where you are today because, you know, it's not just a, a straight shot for most people. It's a lot of learnings, a lot of implementation. So I can definitely, definitely relate to your story. And I think you have an incredible story at that because this isn't what you've been doing for the majority of your life. Before this, you were in sales. Is that correct? I used to be a car salesman. Wow. Well, there you go. And how long were you I doing used that? To be, mm-hmm. So, okay. So I did car sales um, for about a year. Um, I really just wanted to get into some sort of sales position because here's the thing. I'm not really good at going to college. I'm terrible at like, I like learning stuff, but I mean, you know, the education system in America, like I'm, I'm tired of learning about English and having to write the same essay every year. I'm just, I just don't care. You know, I'm over it, man. And, um, you know, so my thing was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a rebel. I want to be you know, an art major and I want to get into car design because I have a huge passion for cars and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't pay very well. Like if you're extremely talented at uh, automobile design, you can get in there. And I was pretty good, but I wasn't extremely talented. So that left me in my mid 20s saying, what am I going to do with my life? Because uh, I can't just keep on, you know, bumming around in low paying jobs and stuff like that. So what I decided to do is I decided to get into sales. Um, I had recently seen the movie uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And um, I know right now I have long hair and stuff like that. And I look like I absolutely came out of like 1987. I probably could have with some of the stuff I'm into. 
Um, but there was a time where I had, you know, a fade with a hard part and I wore a suit to work every day. And um, on one hand, I actually really enjoyed sales. Uh, I liked talking with people. I liked kind of influencing people to get the right direction. And um, honestly, my customers loved me. I mean, I, like I would have return customers just because I like I had an extremely good combination of I didn't look sleazy. I was extremely good at communication because I actually, you know, went to college for a little bit and stuff like that. Um, and I was super knowledgeable about the product because I liked cars. Um, I remember um, like before car sales, I actually did like door-to-door canvassing and like for solar. And that sucks, by the way. Um, but what I realized is that most people like uh, doing canvas sales, most people like they really don't know what they don't know. And you can usually kind of fumble by, which is why you have, you know, stories of a sleazy car salesman that, you know, sold you a hook, line, singer. I knew everything about the car or truck or SUV. I knew every model designation because I'm just a car person and that's what I did. Um, so my customers liked me and uh, the sales team, you know, the sales managers liked me because they called me Big Game Dane because I was that triple threat of happy and nice to talk to, clean and neat. And I knew everything inside and out. They would sometimes tell me, Dane, you need to be more dumb. You're too smart. You're too smart. We can't trust you smart guys here. I need you to be dumb. The reason why is because when you start wising up and realizing like, oh, wait a minute, I'm absolutely throwing myself under the bus, working 14 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to sell cars. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good of a salesperson I am. A person with a 400 credit score is not going to be able to afford an F-150. That kind of blows after a while. And it really starts to burn you out. And that's kind of what happened. I burnt out because, not because like I didn't believe in my product or I didn't believe in um, my service. And, and, and I knew what I was doing. I mean, sure, every once in a while, there was a customer that just did not gel with me. But I rarely had an issue actually getting them on a car getting them into the dealership, writing them up, you know, doing the whole old school Foursquare thing. Never really had that problem. The problem was, oh, they're broke. And, you know, due to just the dealership model and the one I was working at, you just couldn't turn people away if they were broke. You kind of had to go through the, uh, the, the process every single time. And that was just mind numbing. No, it sounds like it. But it also sounds like you've kind of gained some very valuable skills that you can kind of transcend through any or if not now, your business of, of sales and marketing and digital marketing, which I think is amazing. And when you were there, when was the light bulb moment for you where you were kind of thinking, I just can't do this anymore. I need to kind of start my own journey. Yeah, sure. That's actually a good question. I believe it was November of 2015. Um, one, So we're having our, like every Friday, we kind of like have our Friday, like, you know, ooh, rah, rah, you know, sales meeting session. They usually buy you some crappy breakfast to make you feel good. Oh, we're so gracious to you, plebeian salespeople. And um, one thing that they said really kind of like just sparked a light bulb in my head was like, guys, think of it this way. You're not employees. You guys really have a business. See, we we get the cars for you. We pay the phone bill. We got a computer for you. You know, this really is your business. All you have to do is just simply work the leads that are coming in, sell the product and get out the door. Now, of course, you know, I was starting to burn out at this point, but it made me think like, huh, you know, sales really is kind of like, you know, the springboard into entrepreneurship because that's kind of what you're doing. You know, you're taking a product, you're, you're taking a product for me especially, and you're simply going out there and prospecting, finding a need a customer has, 
and then you're selling them. And um, after I did uh, car sales, I actually went into medical devices. Uh, I used to be a hearing aid consultant, and I, I was almost too good for that. Um, so, and, and like this is almost a whole whole another podcast in itself, the hearing aid industry. So you really don't need any sort of medical qualifications to get into hearing aids at all. Kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, you know, I left uh, my car dealership. I was working at Sears, and uh, they had this company called Miraclear that uh, had a little storefront inside of it. And since I just kind of knew how to sell, and I was just kind of still likable, um, immediately the Miraclear people still like, wow, like you really know how to talk to people. And I'm like, yeah. Do you want to make money? I'm like, of course I do. <laughs> So um, I worked, uh, you know, I was a hearing aid consultant for a while, and I was too good at that. Um, hearing aids are not cheap, and um, I knew how to ask for money and not really budge from it because, I mean, there were times when I was writing up people at car dealerships for like $7,000 down. And I'm like, all right, and for the down payment, I just need $7,000. Will that be cash or check? And then they'd be like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. Well, you know, if we could just do this amount, would that be all right? You know, I knew how to do that tonality in my voice that really kind of just, you know, it, it, was, it was kind of like picking a lock. And when it came to hearing aids, you know, I knew how to do that. And I was able to help a lot of elderly customers get into hearing aids. Uh, and that was great. And also, since I had like this techie kind of background, I really got into diagnosing hearing aids and make them work really well and stuff like that. So... I had people who had bought, you know, a couple thousand dollar hearing aids that kind of worked and just me looking at all the little meters and stuff like that. Um, I knew how to make them perform better. And that's great. Except the person I was working for was kind of a sleazy scumbag. Uh, his big thing is these old people need to be upsold every three years. And here's the thing. Hearing aids are like four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a pair. You know, um, I have a really close relationship with my grandparents and I know that unless you're like not already retired on a couple million, like that five, six or $7,000, like, like that's your money for like half a year, you know? So what I didn't like is that he knew he could have me go to any one of his miracle stores and just immediately turn up uh, sales revenue. Like my, like my first month on the line, I beat their top sales guy. Well, top hearing a consultant. And that's great until I realized like, oh, wow, every one of these people that I'm, you know, closing and getting hearing aids for, it doesn't really matter. So I got pretty tired of that. And that's when I started getting into Instagram and stuff like that. So this is kind of where almost the story comes into the digital world. Um, I'm around sitting in my office and, you know, I was just kind of looking at my phone. I was thinking like, man, I, I would love it. I could just make six figures, you know? Because even though I'm decent at sales, I'm still only making like twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars a year, you know. And it's and I, I felt like such a fake because here I'm wearing you know, with a suit and tie. I even had like a doctor smock, and like people call me doctor. I'm like I am no doctor, you know. And I never claimed to be. I just said hearing aid specialist. That's it. And um, you know, and then I would be on Instagram and I see these people. You know, they would have a marketing agency, whatever that means. They would be you know living it up, uh, you know, on vacation. They could work from anywhere, and I'm just like man, how do you do all that? And so I called my boss up. I said, you have one week and I'm out. Quit that job. And I started working as a delivery driver for Amazon. Completely went cold turkey from um, 
went completely cold turkey from it because one thing I realized is that the only way to really move myself financially forward is to have my own company. And I can't be like, I, like I got to wash this, um, like, like, like this pond scum of being a salesman off. Like I need to go cold turkey. And that's around the time, you know, I came across, um, you know, a couple of notable influencers like uh, Daniel D. Piazza. You know, I was one of the first people to get his book. I absolutely fanboyed when, um, you know, I got his book on day one and I sent him an Instagram picture because like I didn't know who he was. And he actually replied back to me with like a video like, hey, bro, that's really cool. Can you leave a little, you know, a review on my Amazon listing? I was just like, God, he talked to me. I am not a nobody. <gasps> yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> I can only imagine, especially because, you know, Daniel D. Piazza is one of our instructors for the Start Your Side Hustle course, and he is an absolute living legend around the founder office. He is such a nice guy. He really has done amazing things for so many people, including yourself, which is what we're definitely going to touch upon later in this uh, podcast. But how long were you, or I guess how many hours were you shuffling between being an Amazon driver and pouring in that energy and that time to make your business come to life? Yeah, it's a good question. So when I was an Amazon driver first, I was just a normal um, all-day delivery driver. So I was working, you know, like I had a 10-hour shift, but I was only working four days out of the week. So that meant I had three days off, which was actually a huge improvement to working 12 to 14 hours a day. Um, And then around this time, uh, Amazon started to do uh, one-day shipping. And since I had a really good delivery record and, you know, just spring in my steps, smile everywhere and all that stupid stuff, I guess I do I did just inadvertently. Um, I was allowed to be one of the first, uh, you know, like one day drivers and also my car to hatchback. So I went from working four days out of the week to working like four days out of the week part time, but for full time pay. So now my time was really starting to open up. And um, one of the first things I wanted to learn how to do was um, I wanted to do a drop shipping store. Like the fad that year, I think, was doing a drop shipping store of like just stuff, junk from AliExpress into Shopify and running Facebook ads. And God, I remember I, it, it, it's laughable to think back because, you know, the store was called AffluentSociety.net. And here I am selling this, you know, junky Chinese stuff because you know, like one thing I really like about founders that you guys really like really go out of your way to make a very credible uh, information product because it's so seductive to go on YouTube and just see how I made $30,000 in like five days, you know, uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you're selling your own course uh, to people who are going to buy it. When you're me who has none of those resources, yeah, it's damn near impossible. But, um, so what I did is I started to try and do an e-commerce store you know, I tried eBay retail arbitrage or arbitrage. I I can't say the word. Um, Another thing I did, which actually I kind of enjoyed, but I just would not be able to survive on it was I used to go to a bunch of thrift stores and I would buy uh, broken video game systems that I could repair them and I'd flip them on eBay. That was cool. But I mean, this is just like very small side hustle cash at this point. So I was trying my dropship store and it didn't really work out. Um, and then that's when, uh, Daniel did a course a couple years ago that kind of got me into, um, like what is freelancing? Now I was hesitant at first because I didn't see myself as a freelancer. I saw myself as, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be doing drop shipping. I'm not going to be doing a service. I don't know. I don't know how to do anything. There's nothing I can do. In fact, but with each kind of failure I had along the way, I was learning stuff. I was learning about how to set up, say a Shopify store 
how to write, you know, product copy, ad copy, um, you know, how to sell stuff. I mean, I kind of knew that, but like, you know, from selling in person where you can kind of just ask people questions and sell them, you know, when you're writing like, you know, like writing an email, it's like, how do you sell to someone when you're not actually getting that instant feedback from having a conversation? Um, so I decided to enroll in Daniel's freelance workshop. Um, this is when he was still doing the Rich 20 um, part of his uh, career. And um, I remember around that time, I was trying to think, what do I know how to do? And like, I, I guess kind of getting into my story of how I really got into digital marketing. So when I was in sales, I made a lot of good friends uh, at the car dealership. And one of them started his own business. Uh, he started a mattress store, you know, brick and mortar mattress store, real born, a real snooze. <laughs> There's a pun in there. Anyways, so I knew this because one day on Facebook, I got a notification from him uh, to like his company store called Mattress Masters. And this is around the time that I was in Daniel's course. And he said, you know, to find, you know, beta testers for your offering, you whatever it is, just kind of go out there and see what the market needs. And so, you know, and now for a full disclosure, I mean, the, the guy who started the store, he was like in his late 50s. So he's not my age. Um, when I got there, you know, here I am in the showroom floor with all these mattresses and stuff like that. And his problem that he had was he had a showroom floor with a couple thousand dollars worth of mattresses and he had no idea how to market it. I really didn't know either, but I was a heck of a lot farther along than he did by the fact that I was half his age. And also, you know, now I'd done a couple of things. Uh, trying to sell online. So the first thing we started with was um, just social media marketing and Facebook advertisement. Uh, this was around, you know, I think 2017, 2018. So the world was a little bit different around that time. You know, you could still kind of post stuff on Facebook and get reach and stuff like that. Um, but what I started to do is I kind of became his, um, his you know, his, his chief marketing officer, if that makes sense and a chief marketing officer for a little like one man operation. It, it, it sounds comical. I'm super, you know, sarcastic when it comes to any sort of big fancy name. But um, what I was able to do is while I was working at Amazon, I would also then be doing his marketing work. Um, you know, I knew how to do Photoshop. So I kind of came up with the angle of, you know, he, ha uh, he had this American bloodhound, you know, big dog and stuff like that. Uh, so I came up with the angle of like, you know, people really don't want mattresses, but they do like dogs. So if they see a dog in the mattress, you can kind of get people to come in there. That worked a lot better than I expected. What I did is I would make social media posts. Uh, besides running Facebook ads for them, I would also share them into local uh, buy and sell groups. And sure enough, people would see the dog and they'd be like, oh, yeah, the, the mattress store that has the dog in it. And then some people just show up like, hey, you know, is your dog here? And he'd be like, no, do you want a mattress? And he'd be like, sure, I'm here. What, what do you recommend? And stuff like that. Um, and from there, I, and then, um, and, and luckily I was able to actually uh, get paid for it too. So what I did is, you know, after about a month or so, I actually left my job at Amazon. And at this point I was now fully, you know, freelancing, if that makes sense. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. 
You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. Would you say that your friend in the mattress store, he was your first paying client that really helped you get on the momentum to be a full-time job, not just a side hustle? 100%. Um, yeah, like he was 100% my first full-time client. And, you know, in the next couple of months, uh, what I decided to do was just kind of focus on uh, in my local area, which is like Temecula, California, real kind of Snoresville, to be honest with you. I decided just to focus on marketing for local businesses because, you know, it's like for me, there was only so much skill I had. So I still had to build that up. But also, too, there was a demand for what for what I had because most customers, they're like, I boosted a post, but I didn't get any sales. What does that mean? Well, glad you asked. You did not ask Facebook for sales. You asked it for comments and likes and stuff like that. So that's where you went wrong, buddy. Um, And so, yeah, working with the mattress store taught me a lot about, you know, what worked with marketing for like a local business, but also how to not run a business. You know, I guess long story short, it's not like I was able to save his business. Uh, the seeds of his company's failing were sowed well before I even walked through his front door. The area he opened up his mattress store was, you know, middle class, working class, and he had high end luxury mattresses. Um, you know, I mean, even today, I could not think about paying $10,000 for a single mattress. That's a lot of money for a bed, man. You know, no way, especially considering the fact that, like, you know, this is the time that a uh, purple mattress was starting to get big and they have their revolutionary stuff that's like a tenth of the price. And it's like, okay, yeah, you you completely missed the market on that one. But again, it, 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 really, it really opened my eyes to like, okay, well, yeah, don't miss the market. Don't try and, you know, think... This is one thing I've, I've thought about, and of course, this company closed years ago now. It's just like, you know, don't try and overestimate the market and like, don't kind of believe everything you hear right off the face. Cause you know, as I was working with the mattress store, I started working with other places as well. And that's where I kind of learned to put up a little bit of a guard and not just accept everyone who comes through your front door. That was probably the biggest one. Um, I remember there's this one, um, husband and wife team. They have this company about like doing like this craft work stuff, uh, in person and, at first, she sounded like a real promising client, and I wanted to work with her until she got on the phone, and it was like, oh, can you do like a two-for-one deal to work with my company here in you know, Temecula and also do the exact same work, exact, all this other stuff we would need you to do for like $200 a month for this store and one in Louisiana? And I'm like, no. <laughs> that was also a good lesson, too, is saying no to stuff. Um, and also just dealing with some clients that just have unreasonable expectations. You know, I remember one of them was this, um, there's this interactive thing called an escape room. I'm not a big fan of them. I'm going to be honest. I'm just, I do not have the mental capacity to like understand, to look around. Um, but I've done them and I've had a client that had them as well. And, you know, even when I was getting them good results, you know, the wife loved me, but the husband was like, how many hours are you spending, you know, working on us? I don't want you to be ripping us off. And I'm like, I got you guys like a whole bunch of new customers and your first thought is how am I ripping you off? Damn. So what that did was it really taught me, you know, when it starts to, we start working with like newer clients, like sure the mattress store is a springboard, but it also kind of put me through the rank and file of like, you know, dealing with customers, if that makes sense. 
I, I 100% understand that because it's a, it's almost like a new age. People had to get kind of used to maybe trusting people that are doing things behind the scenes to make things happen for them in front of the scenes in real life. So I can definitely understand your struggles there. And I'm sure a lot of people listening have had the same or similar battles. From the mattress store, the escape rooms and things like that, what would you say your starting retainer was when you first started out compared to how it naturally started to grow? Yeah, it's a good question. So with the mattress store, just since I knew how to ask for money, um, I was able to start off at like $1,400 a month. Um, I really swung for the fences on that one. And I will have to admit, the more I started to get other clients, the more the retainer actually went down. <laughs> I did this all wrong. Um, well, I don't want to say I did this all wrong, but you know, I misjudged the market. I think it's because around the time I started going freelancing, like there was a lot of people saying, oh, the next big fad is starting a social media marketing agency, you know, starting a Facebook ads agency charge people, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars a month. You really don't need to know what you're doing, but you're you're gonna do better than the 50-year-old people who might own a store and stuff like that. Um, I kind of got swept up in that, but one thing I realized is like so many of the people I was attracting just had zero budget. Um, I remember trying to, you know, run ads for an entire month on two hundred dollars. That is near impossible. Like like today like today, I comfortably manage 30 to 40K a month, you know, and $200, I'm just like, what do you even do with that much money? I don't know. Go to lunch at this point. <laughs> I'm going to lunch, fam. I, I, like it, you know, so I started off at 1400 and then I was able to get, you know, maybe a client can shave off 500 here. One can do 700. One can maybe do a thousand right here, give or take. Um, so yeah, like at least I was able to make more than just working for Amazon. Um, but what I was realizing is I was starting to kind of get on a lot of, you know, free heavyweights, if that makes sense. Like the worst one we're uh, dealing with realtors. So the multiple, multiple realtors actually offered me uh, this deal of, hey, can like, I'll pay you part of my commission if you run Facebook ads with your own money to get leads for me. And I'm like, no. Oh, and one of them even had the gall to say, I'll pay you $100 for every lead I close that you bring to me. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, however, after a while, I started to really get into networking more with people in the online business space. You know, I really realized that the place I was fishing, despite, you know, let like despite joining the chamber of commerce and doing, you know, like in-person Facebook ad trainings, like I did a lot of in-person stuff because that's just what I knew how to do. I knew how to present information. But I remember at this one chamber of commerce, I did like a whole, um, you know, two hour long presentation on Facebook ads, how to do them, all that stuff. Uh, the, the chamber of commerce was super pumped about it because it was a standing room only event that they had grossly, you know, they didn't know there was going to be this many people. I mean, I was out the door and stuff like that. Here I am talking and yada, yada, yada. And what sucked is at the end of it, I got zero leads out of it. And I had three people come up to me just to say, mm, Facebook is rotten. It's the worst thing ever. And I'm just like, hey, thank you. I don't own Facebook, by the way. Um, do you want me to do your business? No, it's the worst. So what I, what I decided to do was kind of move away from the online businesses. And that's when I really started to be able to get larger um, larger paying clients. I think uh, the first one was uh, just honestly starting to network with people online 
in, um, you know, like honestly, people more my age demographic. Um, I actually kind of became good friends with Daniel. So that's cool. Um, since I was kind of like the chosen one from his uh, Facebook, I mean, not his Facebook, from his, um, his master class, um, you know, we started talking more and stuff like that. And whenever he had a client that needed to know Facebook ads, he kind of brought me along on that on there as well. So what happened was after a while, just by networking and just by word of mouth, I was now starting to get clients that would say, you know, okay, would say yes to $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month. I still had some, you know, extra baggage from doing local clients, but I was able to start getting a couple of them um, for about $2,750 a month. And that's when I really started to move things up, um, especially around 2019. Like 2018 was kind of another year of like sort of getting my footing, like maybe one month will be $1,500 another one I might make 4k it was really kind of lopsided because I was sort of doing a lot of things um I guess one downside for my technical ability is like I kind of know a lot but also I'm not a complete master and I know that I have to really like just have these fine details like under my thumb to make sure I feel good about it but it was around 2019 that I guess just my reputation was starting to precede myself a little bit because then I was having people that I didn't know sorry about that people I didn't know actually reaching out saying like, Hey, you know, I heard you do X, Y, Z well for, you know, X, Y, Z person. Can we have a call? And I'm just like, yes, that sounds great. Please. That sounds so around 2019. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say that sounds incredible because I felt like, yeah, when you mentioned 2019 as a pivotal point, is that when you kind of started implementing more of Daniel's teachings into what you were doing, not just relying on networks necessarily, but some of the lessons you were learning from him as almost like a mentor. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, besides networking and stuff like that, I really started to focus down on my offer. Um, one thing that was actually starting to really burn me out was doing Facebook ads. Again, as I even said at the beginning, like people know me for Facebook ads, but I don't want to be known for Facebook ads at all. So one thing I really realized that I enjoy is actually doing email marketing systems, which sounds super boring. Um, but I think they're cool. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Infusionsoft, ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign. ActiveCampaign is my baby, low-key. I actually really enjoyed putting those together, and I really started to focus on how can I craft an offer where I'm not having to do a whole bunch of work that's all over the place, because that was the big thing I was really running into. I was starting to get exhausted. You know, it'll be like, okay, for this client doing Facebook ads, doing these integrations, setting up a course, posting on social media, it's like all these things all over the place. And, you know, one thing Daniel mentored me about was like, simplify, like simplify the heck out of it and be really good at one thing. And um, with that, it was uh, marketing integrations. Um, and because of that, I was actually able to cut back down to one client, but for that one client, I was able to be full time with them, which really meant... I wasn't so much having to focus on just getting a bunch of small clients and having to like, you know, sacrifice myself, if that makes sense. It was like, okay, well, here's one client I can just solely focus on. Um, I, are we allowed to name drop on that or anything at, that, at all? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So despite my appearance, I was the one guy at Boss Babe. Um, yes, that Boss Babe. Um, I, it's really, so... I like I had met Natalie uh, through Daniel at a, uh, you know, kind of like an online business mixer, you know, a year before. And I noticed that Natalie had posted up on social media because, you know, just doing a little networking. Hey, I'm looking for someone who understands, you know, just 
marketing integrations and stuff like that. And I'm like, is it okay if I'm a guy? And she's like, sure. I'm like, okay. And, you know, before I know it, we had our first uh, launch with Boss Bay for one of their products. And what really helped is that everything worked. I'm like, well, that's kind of what I'm here. <laughs> so, um, you know, with uh, Boss Bay, I started out part-time, but I slowly transitioned to being full-time with them. And uh, for almost all 2020, I worked with them in their marketing integrations for their webinars, for active campaign. Um, and even for a short stint, I was also uh, their Facebook ads manager. Now, of course, that kind of contradicts what Daniel told me to like, you know, simplify, but, you know, I felt really good about the work I was doing because I was doing work that I was enjoying doing. So I was like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take this one for the team, guys. I'll run the ads. And, um, we, and, and it actually wasn't that bad. I believe it was uh, 2020. We were doing the KBB launch. Um, I got to, I think, the third or second place in signups. And I was like, okay, not too bad not the worst considering the fact that it was, um, you know, like it was kind of unexpected and a little bit short notice, but we did very well. Um, and so like that was probably the biggest thing is, um, just kind of like refocusing on just one or two things and get really good at them. I completely agree. And I think it's great that you took on Daniel's teachings of simplifying it, even though it did kind of get, like you mentioned, a little bit less simplified. But I think it's a great learning because there's a lot of things that he teaches in the course that definitely help, I guess, declutter the complications of having a side hustle because, you know, you're kind of going in there, jumping into it and hoping you're going to float. So I definitely think that simplifying your processes helps amazingly. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 2020 was quite a good year for you in terms of revenue. Yeah, so that's kind of the other thing as well. Um, 2020 wasn't a great year for the entire universe, it seemed like, but I didn't do too bad. Taxes didn't do too bad either. I'm like, man, the IRS absolutely said, Mr. Schwaby, Mr. Schwaby, we're going to have lunch today. And I was like, this really sucks, man. <laughs> I need to talk with my accountant and say, hey, how can I fix these numbers so they're like a lot less by a lot? Um, but yeah, no, like, what was nice about uh, 2020 is that since I was able to like really kind of stabilize my income, I was able to take on like side hustles on top of my now current side hustle as well. Um, you know, one thing is Daniel and I do partner up in a new business venture and that was actually pretty cool to start growing. So I was able to get a little bit of, you know, extra uh, cheese from that. Um, and then also, you know, I, I started to learn how to do weird things. Like the craziest thing ever was actually uh, like taking people's online courses and turning them into DVDs, which is the exact opposite of what people think they should do. There is a strange demographic of people that just want DVDs. And that was one thing I actually taught myself how to do. And I actually was making some extra cash on that as well. Um, you know, whenever people had a course on Teachable and they realized that their target demographic was older they realized, hey, wait a minute, we could do like a print-on-demand DVD, have someone on Fiverr make the box art, uh, find a supplier that would do a print-on-demand DVD and send it out to them. Um, that actually was a pretty cool thing to learn how to do as well. You know, and so it was like running ads to either have a digital version or a DVD version. Um, yeah, so I mean, 2020 was pretty good. Just at the same time, you know, 2020, since... There was so much kind of going on in the market, so changed. Um, I realized I was doing a lot of work. And so for 2021, I'm actually slightly kind of backing off a bit. Um, if anything, I'm going back through the coursework and I'm kind of saying like, what is my offer now? Um, 
in 2020, you know, while I still really like doing marketing integrations, I kind of got a little bit more seduced again by Facebook ads because I was able to get some really solid wins uh, managing ads for, uh, you know, Boss Babe and also for Daniel's new project and stuff like that. And it made me think like, hmm, I know in the past I didn't like doing Facebook ads because I didn't think I was that good. But what if I'm actually not bad? Hmm, what does that look like? Um, and ironically, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, you know, I parted ways from Boss Babe, you know, fully on good intentions to focus on, you know, these new business ventures. And now I'm actually, you know, uh, partnered up with ad agencies to run their Facebook advertisements. Um, and also, I'm giving myself a little bit more breathing room. I mean, 2020, sure, I made a lot of cheese, but also I didn't sleep a lot either. Yeah, no, I can imagine for everyone, it was either a time where you would just fly and just soar, or it was a time where you kind of had to to stop in your ways and re, really kind of reevaluate what you were doing, or as you said, kind of think back and think, what is my purpose? What is going to be my offer now? Would you say that from the course that you completed with Daniel, our Start Your Side Hustle course, that kind of set you up with some skills also to kind of take Rockstar where it is today? Oh, absolutely. One of the biggest ones um, is definitely the one-two punch script. I love that one, um, especially for what I do with marketing. Um, the reason why I love it is because like on the first call, you can really just listen to all their pain points and start just jotting them down. My favorite one is to, is to do a Zoom call and actually um, do the request access feature. I mean, sure, it gets a little bit annoying if you have a person that doesn't understand tech and it's, oh, you have to, it's always, it's always with Apple. It's like request access, allow Zoom to access, you know, this computer's files, blah, blah, blah. But it's really fun to do because what you get to do is then usually people ask me about Facebook ads. You start to go around their Facebook ad account. You're like, oh, hmm. Oh, what's this? Hmm. You start seeing all these little issues. And you're like, oh, see, here's the thing. Your CPMs are like this. Your click-through rate needs to be there. Oh, how interesting. Hey, look at your website. Oh, this isn't loading correctly. Hey, you see how you have your ad set up? You're actually, you know, you're actually losing your, um, your, your social proof. You're missing out on all this stuff. Like, why aren't you, re, you know, like, why aren't you remarketing to people who've already engaged your page? Where's your website retargeting? What about abandoned cart? I love the one-two punch because the first call, all I do is just like I go in there and I find information, but I like to agitate it a little bit as well because for that second call, you know, it's 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 kind of like you got a it's it's kind of like you got a bruise, and you know, but you know, before I put the band-aid on it and uh, all that stuff, I kind of like to rub it a little bit just. Oh, 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 sorry, but I just got a little bit of salt in the wound right there. Oh, but let me clean that up for you. I got you. It's cool. And then before I know, they're just like, can you help? Like, can you help me real quick, please? <laughs> and I'm like, of course I can. So this is what we do to go ahead and make this problem go away. It's great. So that definitely is probably one of my favorite uh, things I have learned from the course is, is just having a really solid uh, template for uh, making those calls. Because like, before in the past, I've tried to do it um, all in one go. Sometimes I can do so, but what happens is, um, this happened to me especially in the beginning of my journey, if you try and get it all done in one go, either A, you're going to burn the bridge, or B, you're taking someone who is desperate and has unrealistic demands. Um, and so either way, you kind of get, like, you ultimately hurt yourself, if that makes sense. 
It definitely does. And I think it's it's a great tactic because it's like you're pointing out the problems, but you're also the solution. So you kind of seem like the hero to come in and save that person's product or store or service, which I think is really great. And Daniel does have a lot of like those tiny little bits of wisdom that if you take it and run with it can be like life changing, which you're a prime example for, which is amazing. But from all those little implementations, would you say that Rockstar is a six figure company? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, which is incredible in such a short amount of time as well. It's incredible, but also I look into the bags and rise and say like, it's incredible, but also I know where, I know how it got to being a six-figure company. <laughs> Who needs to sleep when you have money to make? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely can can agree with that. I've seen it firsthand with Nate. He's an incredible founder and definitely goes hard. And as well as all of our other instructors, including Daniel himself. And um, working towards wrapping up, what would you say, you mentioned your next goals are kind of downsizing and reevaluating. What are some other tangible goals that you really have for your company? Yeah. So a big thing is I really want to get back into content creation. Um, this is almost something I forgot to bring up. So I thank you for bringing this up for me. Another way I actually got a lot of my earlier clients was I did a lot of content teaching uh, how to do things. Um, I actually have a YouTube channel. Um, I guess they put the link down in the podcast thing or whatever you can find on my website. Uh, one thing that I did uh, pretty frequently was make just super simple YouTube videos. Like so often, it's easy to see a how-to YouTube video where like the first five minutes is, you know, some music video and the guy talking about how great he is. Then there's like two minutes of somewhat teaching. Then there's another seven minutes of why they need to join their course and stuff like that. And I didn't do any of that. I just simply said, this is how you do a conversion campaign. This is how you do traffic. You know, because so many people didn't know how to do Facebook ads. And I started doing that because um, because I would sometimes just get customers that just did not get anything. So I would just record it. And I said, oh, maybe I should just make a bunch of these videos. So one thing I want to get back to is doing content creation. Um, and just really trying to have me not be fully in. Like, it's great right now that the clients I'm working with, you know, like, sure, I am backing off a little bit because I'm working on, like, also a couple of slightly larger products projects. Um, I actually want to get back into doing content. So if people ask me like, Hey, can I hire you? I'll be like, how about if you check this out instead or check out this video? You know, I'm not sure, like I might be looking into doing course creation or just some type of mentorship. The big thing I want to crack for myself, and it's a personal challenge for me because I'm very hands-on is seeing how I can mentor people on what to do, um, without me having to go in there to say like, here, just, just, give me the tools and I'll do it for you. It's just like, this is what to do. And then sit on my hands. Like it's like, it's like, it's very much a challenge for me to do that. Cause I'm so used to always thinking of myself as like, no, I'm the one who has to do everything. No, I wanted to see if I can challenge myself to be like, okay, for people who really need my hands on work, I'll do it. But how can I work with you without having to actually do it for you? I think that's great insight. And it's definitely something that founder even aspired to do with having like 99% of our content free and accessible to anyone to help. And I think it's great that you want to do the same because essentially that's what Daniel did to you and look where you are now today. And I think that's a great feat to have. But the last question I really want to ask, and one of my favorite questions I do ask most people on this podcast is if someone was in the same position listening to this, maybe wanting to break away from a sales job and really start their own passionate uh, side hustle to full-time job, what advice would you give to them? Okay, so my advice is save up like three months worth of money so you're not worried about that. 
I know everyone says, oh, burn the boats, jump both feet in. I am a huge realist, you know. Um, That's why Daniel and I, you know, still talk and stuff like that is because, you know, he's the visionary. I'm an integrator. I like my feet firmly on the ground. Thank you very much. My advice, save up three months worth of money. You know, whatever that means for you, because what is super alluring, it, you know, well, not alluring, but like what can easily happen when you're ready to jump out is you get so excited in the beginning. You're like, yeah, I quit that job. I'm the boss. I'm the man. And then here comes rent and here comes food and gasoline. And you're just like, I need to take and do whatever I can to survive. It's extremely hard to build anything from that place because you're not really working for yourself. You're like, you're not the boss. You are the servant. You know, they're cracking your whip because, you know, it's, it, it's good to jump in. And I know the whole thing is like, oh, the, the right time to start business today. Well, yes, but also asterisk as well. Like, yes, but be smart. You know, you, you have one lifetime on this rock. Don't get too giddy and get too, you know, gung-ho about it. I recommend, you know, like make sure before you jump in, like you have a little bit of a cushion there so that if you don't close these first five or so clients, you're not going to be freaking out. Um, Yeah, you know, because it really sucks having to kind of go back with your tail between your legs. That is that like, I mean, it's, it's one thing to be rejected by a customer or a client, but when you kind of go out there, you lose everything. You're kind of having to go back to your job. Because like there was a point where I did have to go back to Amazon. You know, it was for only a couple of months. And even though I was like, okay, well, I'm still doing some side hustle stuff, but I need to kind of go and get a normal job. If, you, if I just had a couple of months, I'd be able to just kind of um, deal with it versus being like, okay, I kind of failed. So I guess that's where I'm coming from. Be gun ho, but also, you know, have a solid backup plan. I think that's really great advice and I love the transparency because it is sometimes the, I guess, the reality for people listening and wanting to do it. So thank you so much, Dane, for sharing your story. I've appreciated you being here today and dedicating the time and I've loved listening to it. So uh, good luck to Rockstar Integrator and can't wait to see what you guys do in 2021 and beyond. Sounds dope. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want access to the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com slash side hustle training or follow the link in the show notes.